You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. The First Home Super Scheme has been around for a while and allows clients to save for their first home by making additional super contributions and then later withdrawing those contributions and an associated earnings amount to help fund the purchase. However, these rules are complex and are easy to fail, leaving a client's extra contributions trapped in super until retirement. However, to address this, the government has recently passed some technical changes to improve the flexibility of the scheme. And while we're still not sure of when these changes will officially commence, we thought it would be good to look at what's changed, what pain points in the scheme these changes are aimed at, and any tips and traps to be aware of. I'm your host, Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and here to discuss these changes with me is Tim Sanderson, one of my senior technical services managers. G'day, Tim. Hi, Craig. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, going well. Excellent. So, Tim, can you give us a high-level recap of how the First Home Super Saver Scheme works, just so we can then make sense of these changes? Yeah, sure, Ken. So this was a scheme introduced back in 2017, but first withdrawals possible from 1 July 2018. Um, And while there's lots more detail about the scheme in our super guide if advisors need it, um, at a high level, the main eligibility requirements to use the scheme are normally being age 18 or over, and in most cases, uh, never having previously owned real property in Australia. And The way it works is it allows a person to save certain voluntary contributions from the 2017-18 financial year onwards. Um, And the main ones of those are personal after-tax, personal deductible and voluntary employer contributions, such as salary sacrifice. If you're then eligible for the scheme, you can then release those contributions plus an associated earnings amount to help pay for the first home. And there is a maximum release amount in terms of contributions. Um, That's $50,000 overall uh, plus earnings. And also there's an annual cap of $15,000 in relation to contributions from any single year. In terms of tax, um, any concessional contributions and those associated earnings withdrawn, they're accessible income to the um, individual, but a 30% non-refundable tax offset applies. Okay, so while I suppose not the focus of this podcast today, depending on a client situation, it can be quite tax effective way to save for the purchase of their first home, particularly if they're doing it with concessional contributions? Yeah, that's right. It does depend on their situation, but for some clients, that's certainly going to be the case. Um, And look, according to ATO stats, the use of the scheme is growing too. So data, for example, from 21-22 shows that $142 million was released to about 9,500 people under the scheme. And that's well above the, you know, $38, $39 million that occurred in the first year of its use. So uh, over time, I think it's fair to say um, advisors are going to have more and more clients who may be wanting to use the scheme or have family members wanting to do so. Yeah, I suppose that that increase makes sense too. Uh, when did you say it was, it was announced in 2017 and yeah. then basically it became effective from 2018? 
and it does take a little while for people to start to, to build up these levels of um, voluntary contributions into super that they can then access in this scheme. So, you know, while early on it was, as you said, about 38, 39 million, now it's jumped well up to 142 million with almost 10,000 people using it. So yep. clearly, you know, people are speaking with their feet and starting to use this scheme more and more. Now, the process for getting the money out. Now, the client needs to get a determination from the ATO before they can then release the money. And there's some specific timeframes around when that can happen and then action by the client, such as signing a contract to purchase their first home. So how does this all work under the existing rules? Yeah, so it's all very specific. So once all the contributions are made and the client then wants to go and purchase their first home, the first step is always to apply to the ATO for a first home super saver determination. And that at a high level tells the client the maximum that they can release under the scheme. So so just to be clear, that so that's looking at all of those additional voluntary contributions and, and calculating that earnings amount. Exactly, yep. Um, okay. And, yep. and from then, the, the they can then request the ATO to release an amount under the scheme, and that's done via the ATO using a release authority to the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, the client then needs to enter into a contract to buy or construct their first home, but the period in which they can do that um, actually, under existing rules, begins 14 days before that release request is made and normally ends 12 months after the release request is made. So it is a kind of a long period there which can potentially be before or after uh, the release request. If a first home is not purchased in those timeframes, then the client generally needs to either recontribute the released amount back to super or an additional first-home super saver tax would apply to them. So moving on to the key changes in the bill that's now passed Parliament, two of them apply to this release process, I think, and address pain points in the scheme? Yeah, that's right. And I think first, it's probably worth touching on the two main ways people might use this scheme once all of their contributions have been made. So the first would be to apply for a determination, then request a release, then start looking for a good first home. Um, and if, look, if a client needs the released amount to pay for their deposit, that's likely the category that they're going to fall into because they're going to need the released amount before signing the contract, for example. Yep. The second would be to enter into the contract and then go over to the ATO and request the release of their funds. And that's more likely for clients who really only need the released amount to help settle the property because they've already got the existing funds themselves to pay the deposit. Um, it also might apply for people who, you know, stumble across the perfect property before they've managed to arrange the release of funds with the ATO and they're really keen to sign the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen in that way too. The, the two key changes we'll discuss now are really focused on that second cohort of people. They generally aren't going to impact people who release the funds before entering into a contract to purchase their first home. Okay, so the, the first change here is to give someone additional time between signing the contract to purchase their first home and requesting to release their funds. That's right. So at the moment, as we, as we mentioned, uh, the client needs to apply for a release within 14 days of entering into the contract. Um, and the bill extends this to 90 days. So Look, that flexibility is certainly welcome, particularly because this time frame applies at a time when there's 
probably a lot going on for the client in terms of mm. the property purchase. So uh, there's really no room for, for a delay with it, I'd say. But an important trap or consideration, yes, 90 days provides more flexibility, but the client still needs to ensure that the money is released under the scheme by the time it's needed. Um, so if, if, for example, the property is subject to a standard 42-day settlement period, and the release amount's going to be needed to help settle the property, then they're going to need to re request that release as soon as possible in any event, um, particularly given that the ATO has indicated it can take 15 to 20 days to process the release. Um, so in that situation, where the money's needed at settlement, the client's going to have to take action really as soon as possible and well within that new 90-day timeframe. Yeah, so if even though we're getting 90 days, if you've got a 42-day settlement, you know, you need the money out in 42 days, essentially, is what, you, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, if you had a, a, a very long, a longer, uh, unusual a longer settlement, settlement period, yeah. then you might be able to use the full 90 days. Yeah, yeah. so the 90 days is there technically for people with longer settlements, but practically you're still going to need that money yeah. out by the time of settlement. So you need to build in that time that the ATO is saying to release the amount, which is about 15 to 20 days. Yeah. Um, moving on to the second change, uh, and that's about who is treated as an existing property owner and potentially prevents an existing trap that is currently in the scheme. So do you want to give us more detail there? Yeah, that's right. So this, uh, this change in the bill certainly does prevent a trap in the scheme, which, you know, I haven't seen any stats or anything like that, but I would imagine many clients who use this scheme are potentially uh, falling into this trap and potentially becoming ineligible for the scheme under current rules as a result. So at the moment to request a first home super saver determination in the first place and therefore use the scheme, you need to have not held um, what's in the legislation is a, a freehold interest in Australian real property or certain leasehold or company title interests. And the issue here is the ATO has confirmed that you normally will have a freehold interest in real property once you enter into the contract to purchase that property. So that means under existing rules that a person always needs to request their first home super saver determination before entering into a contract to buy their first home, even if they're not requesting the actual release of their funds until after the contract is signed. So if the contract is accidentally entered into first, which, you know, I think would be really easy to do, um, a client will then generally be ineligible to use the scheme. Um, but the bill changes, um, kind of seeks to solve this by changing the definition of existing property owner, effectively so that someone entering into a contract to purchase a property won't be considered a property owner until they actually become the legal owner of the property. And that's generally it happens at settlement, not at contract. So that's going to allow people to sign the contract for their first home as the first step and then deal with the ATO after that to get a determination and request the release, obviously within that 90-day timeframe that we already mentioned. Okay, so just to reiterate that because that was all quite a lot of detail. Yeah. Um, so what we're thinking about here is that we've got two kind of steps we need to go through to get the money out. So first of all, we need to request a determination from the ATO to tell us how much we're able to release. And under the current rules, we need to request that determination 
before we sign any contract because these rules are all about purchasing a first home. And as soon as you sign that contract, well, technically, under these rules, you own your first, you're, you're already a homeowner, so yep. you can't get your money out, right? So there's, there's that. You have to apply for the determination before you become the homeowner by signing the contract. And then we've got the request to release the money. Uh, and that's what we've already talked about. We've extended that period out from 14 days to, to 90 days, but there's practical time limits in there as well, right? So, yeah, really interesting that, you know, the, <laughs> the, something built into the, the process actually can, can cause a people can cause a person to actually fall foul of the rules because they go and sign the contract before they've requested the ATO to tell them how much they can use and all of a sudden they're treated as, as already owning a first home so therefore they're not a first homer so therefore they can't get their money out completely so right now okay so it sounds like that change is is going to help people who might become ineligible because of what is what I've just talked about about getting the steps wrong um, now, the third change, that's to allow people to revoke or amend their first home super saver applications, such as the lease, the releaser request. Like, Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. Um, under existing rules, a person can't revoke or amend first home super saver scheme requests uh, once they've been made. So the bill will change that so they can be revoked or amended provided that the money hasn't been paid to the person yet. So it it could allow, for example, someone who has requested a release but now doesn't want the money to revoke it. And if the fund has already started transferring it to the ATO, it could be returned by the ATO to the fund. And there's, there's also some additional changes in this area in the bill, which also mean that if that money is returned by the ATO to the original fund, let's say, it's not going to be an accessible income of the fund or the person. It won't count towards contributions caps. Um, and the tax components of the balance will effectively be recreated as if the release hadn't occurred. Okay, so that's interesting that you, you can actually reverse everything. That's quite good. So I'm just thinking about when that might happen, why you might want to do that. Maybe it's someone that's gone and applied for the money to be released, which then they've got 12 months to go and purchase a property. And then maybe some sort of personal life circumstance changes. So if something happens in their life, maybe they decide to go overseas for six months and they want to put the purchasing of that home on hold. Um, the money is on its way out of the system, but not out yet. You can actually freeze and reverse that process so it gets sent back into the fund and you've still got the ability to pull it out sometime in the future. Is that really what what that's all about? That's right. So as long as the money hasn't already commenced to be paid from the ATO to the person, um, we think potentially it would allow for situations like that for the money to go back into super. Okay. So once again, just building more flexibility in into this process. Now, I think there were some transitional rules included in the bill. What do we know about those? Yeah. So there is a fair bit of uncertainty here still. Um, the bill introduces some special transitional rules, which we think are broadly aimed at extending the flexibility provided by the other changes we've talked about in this bill to users who have had a determination made for them before these amendments commence, but who have since become a property owner. But as I mentioned, unfortunately, it's it's unclear exactly how these special transitional rules would operate. And I really think this is an area where 
we're going to need to wait for further specific guidance and clarification from the ATO to know exactly how they'll operate yeah. and be able to comment further. Yeah, yeah. Also, finally, while this bill has passed both Houses of Parliament, which would normally mean we're just waiting for a cent and it's up and away, um, as we mentioned in the intro, there's actually uncertainty about when these changes actually commence. Yeah, exactly. Instead of new leg- the new legislation starting from when the bill receives royal assent, as often happens, the, the changes actually commence from the earlier of a single date to be fixed by proclamation or 12 months after the Act receives royal assent. And there is a reason given for this. The government says that it's necessary to ensure that the ATO and certain other stakeholders can update their systems to cater for those new rules. Um, But at present, we don't have a date of proclamation fixed. So we're really not sure exactly when these changes do commence. But it is worth noting that once they do, um, the changes in most cases then apply retrospectively from back on 1 July 2018 when withdrawals under this scheme first commenced. Right. Okay. So what they're essentially saying there is we don't know how long it's going to take the ATO and, and those other stakeholders to get their systems up to, to date. But if that's six months time, then we'll make a data proclamation and it will be you know, sometime in March or, or April. Otherwise, um, it will be from 12 months from the date the Act receives Royal Assembly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay, Tim, I think that covers about anything Anything else we need to add? Yeah, I just thought I'd let everyone know that we also have an article covering these changes in a bit more detail on the First Tech site. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, our, first, our super guide has further information about how the First Home Super Saver Scheme operates generally. Okay, terrific. Thanks, Tim. That has provided a really valuable update, not only a reminder about how those first home super saver rules work, um, but also that there's some traps in there and that these new rules do provide a lot more flexibility so clients can use these rules with a lot more certainty. Also potentially allows an advisor to be more comfortable providing advice in this space without the fear that uh, something goes wrong and the client does something wrong and and then all of these extra contributions we thought were going to be able to use to, to purchase their first new first home um, are unfortunately locked away in super until retirement. So some, some great flexibility included there. All right. Uh, other than that, if you've got any questions, give us a call at the First Tech team. Uh, otherwise, enjoy the rest of your day and thanks for listening. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventius Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.